On today's story session, a tale about a family that is torn apart by a goat who is a dirty liar. This is The Little Magic Table, The Golden Donkey, and The Club in the Sack. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folktales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion made them way better and way more entertaining. So I've got the most true-to-the-original version of Grimm's fairy tales that I could find, and we're going through it front to back, story by story. We'll figure out the unintended lessons each story teaches, and at the end of each episode I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale titled... The Little Magic Table, The Golden Donkey, and The Club in the Sack. They do not care about being catchy, they just lay it all out for you. So we begin. Once upon a time, there was a shoemaker who had three sons and a goat. The sons had to help him in his trade, and the goat had to nourish them with her milk. In order for the goat to get good, delicious food every day, the sons took turns and led her out to graze in a meadow. The eldest took her to the churchyard, where the goat jumped about and ate the grass. In the evening, when he led her home, he asked, "'Goat, have you had enough?' The goat answered, "'Oh my, I'm stuffed. Enough's enough. Meh, meh.'" I guess that's their goat noise. Meh, meh. "'Then let's head for home,' the son said, and led it back to the stable and tied it up. The old shoemaker had asked his son whether the goat had received enough to eat. The son answered, it's really stuffed. It's had enough. Those are its own words, even. However, the shoemaker wanted to see for himself whether that was true. So he went to the stall in the stable and asked, Goat, have you had enough? The goat replied, How can I have eaten enough? I just jumped over mounds real rough, didn't find one blade of grass, because the ground was tough. Meh, meh. When the shoemaker heard this, he was convinced that his son had lied to him. He became furious, jumped up, took his cane from the wall, gave his son a good beating, and sent him away. Shoemaker, you're going to banish your son because you think the goat didn't eat enough? Even if the son did lie, that is insanely harsh. And the goat said that they couldn't find grass. Even if the son lied, not finding grass wouldn't have been the son's fault. So shouldn't the shoemaker have just asked, where where did you take the goat? Just go from there? It's a huge overreaction, Shoemaker. Chill out, Shoemaker. Make some shoes. We continue. The next day, the second son had to take the goat to a meadow and led it to the very best grass, which the goat completely devoured. In the evening, he asked the goat, Goat, have you had enough? Oh my, I'm stuffed. Enough's enough. Meh, meh. Then let's head home, and he took the goat to the stable and told the old man that the goat was full. Once again, the father went to the stable and asked, Goat, have you had enough? How can I have eaten enough? I just jumped over mounds real rough. Didn't find one blade of grass, because the ground was tough. Meh The shoemaker became angry, and also gave a good beating to his second son, and chased him from the house. Okay, so... This shoemaker is fully prepared to lose two sons over a single goat not eating enough. 
He is prioritizing this goat over his own sons, over his own family. That is fucked up, even if he believes that the sons are lying. Finally, the third son had to take the goat into the meadow. I'm guessing he was pretty nervous about this as well. He was on his guard and looked for the very best grass. Indeed, there was nothing left when the goat had finished eating. In the evening, the son asked, Goat, have you had enough? Oh my, I'm stuffed. Enough's enough. Meh, meh. Then let's head home, he said, and took the goat to the stable, and assured his father that the goat was full. But the old man went to the stable again and asked, Goat, are you full? How can I have eaten enough? I just jumped over mounds real rough, didn't find one blade of grass, because the ground was tough. Meh, meh. Maybe the goat just likes these particular sayings. Maybe it's just like a fun song that the goat is saying, and it's not actually a lie at all. It's a goat. It probably doesn't know how to say that many things. So after the father gave his third son a good beating, he chased him from the house. Alright, so even if he thinks they're lying, at this point I'd just be more concerned about why the goat couldn't find grass for three days in a row than I would be about the sons lying about it. This guy's priorities all messed up. Now, the shoemaker wanted to take the goat out by himself, so he tied it with a rope and led it to the middle of the best grass on the meadow, where the goat ate the grass the entire day. In the evening, the shoemaker asked, Goat, have you had enough? Oh my, I'm stuffed. Enough's enough's. Enough's enough. Meh, meh. Well, let's head for home, and he led the goat to the stable. When he tied her up in the stall, he asked once again, Goat, have you had enough? Now the goat answered him as usual. How can I have eaten enough? I just jumped over mounds real rough. Didn't find one blade of grass, because the ground was tough. Meh. Meh. When the shoemaker heard this, he realized that he had driven his three sons away, even though they had been innocent. Yeah, you were real quick to judgment on that, shoemaker. Consequently, he became so angry with the nasty goat that he fetched his razor and shaved the goat's head until it was bald and gave it a good whipping. Wait, so he shaved the goat's head? How is that a punishment? Is it to make the goat's head cold? Is it just to make the goat look stupid? Can the goat even comprehend this as a punishment? Maybe that's what the whipping was for. He finished shaving his head, looked at the goat, and thought, well, the goat doesn't really seem to mind having a, a, a shaved head. Just better whip him, just to make sure it's clear that I'm not happy about this. Still, it's not cool to whip a goat, buddy. It's just a goat. It's always hungry, right? Isn't that a thing with goats? Maybe it's just dumb. Maybe it's a dumb goat. I doubt the lying was malicious or even intentional. Don't whip the poor animal. Can't blame an animal for lying. Doesn't know any better. So far, the only bad guy here is the shoemaker. The dickhead. We continue. In the meantime, the eldest son had apprenticed himself to a carpenter, and when he finished his apprenticeship and wanted to begin his travels... The carpenter gave him a little magic table and told him that he only had to say, Little table be covered, and it would be covered by a white tablecloth, and on it would be a silver plate with a silver knife and fork, a crystal glass filled with red wine, and all over the most beautiful dishes of food. The carpenter is giving him this infinitely valuable magic table just for finishing his apprenticeship? 
That seems like too nice of a gift. He'll literally never go hungry again. This gift is incredible, and he's getting it just for finishing his job training. I gotta be honest, eldest son, I think this carpenter is super in love with you and is just trying to get you to stay. We continue. Upon receiving this gift, he set out into the world. Oh, Carpenter's probably very sad now that his love is gone. And wherever he was, in a field, in the forest, or in a tavern, whenever he set his table down and said, little table be covered, he would then have the most splendid meal. One day he entered an inn, where many guests had already gathered. They asked him whether he wanted to eat with them. He answered, no, but you should all eat with me. Oh, come on, eldest son, don't be stupid. You can't be flaunting a valuable magic table. People are starving left and right back then. It's olden times. You're just asking for trouble here. Upon saying this, he set down his little table in the room and said, Little table, be covered. And suddenly it stood there, covered with the most sumptuous food. And when a dish became empty, a new one appeared immediately in its place. And all the guests were marvelously treated. The innkeeper, however, thought... If you had such a table, you'd be a rich man. And that evening, as the carpenter was fast asleep and had put his little table in a corner... What? Just gonna put it in a corner? Buddy, you just left this infinitely valuable table in the corner. You're not even keeping an eye on it. Not even getting your own room so you can keep it behind a locked door. This guy is an idiot. I'm sure the innkeeper was not the only one thinking... Hey, I should try and steal that table. The innkeeper fetched another one that looked just like it and replaced the genuine one with it. Early the next morning, the good fellow got up, lifted the little table onto his back, and didn't notice that it was the wrong one. He went home and said to his father, Don't worry about anything anymore or concern yourself. I have a little magic table, and we can now live in luxury for the rest of our days. His father was delighted to hear this and invited all their relatives to their home. And when they had gathered there together, the son set the table in the middle of the room and said, little table, be covered. He invited everyone they know. He didn't demonstrate it to the dad first. They're really raising the stakes and setting up for failure here. Also, why did the first son return home? He was thrown out. Did his father send word that he... That he figured out the goat is a liar and apologize and invite them all back or something? And I glossed over that, why he's even coming back. There should at least be a scene where the father's like, Hey, so sorry about trusting a goat over you. That was, that was pretty not cool of me, wasn't it? Anyway, welcome back. That goat sucks, huh? We continue. But the little table remained as empty as it had been, and the son realized that he had been duped and was ashamed of himself while the relatives left without drinking and eating. Father and son had to resume their useful work. The second son had gone to a miller, and when he had finished his apprenticeship, the miller gave him the donkey Bricklebrit as a gift. Whenever one said Bricklebrit to this donkey, it would begin to spew gold coins from the front and the behind. And the behind? That would look fucking insane. You just say Bricklebrit, and this donkey starts vomiting and shitting gold coins like a horrifying fountain? I'm gonna be honest, I would steer clear of the coins coming out from the back end. 
or at least put a, a basin of water or something behind the donkey so the coins fall into the water. You can you can wash them off. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it'd be worth it. I'm not above that. After he departed, the young man reached the same tavern where his brother's little table had been stolen from him. He let himself be treated like a prince, and when he was given the bill, he went to the donkey in the stable and said, Bricklebrit. All at once, he had more gold coins than he needed. It's kind of inconvenient that the donkey's name is also the word that makes it starts vomiting and pooping coins. You'd, you'd kind of want two different two different words there. You'd want one name that you could just use to refer to the donkey in normal conversation, and then you'd want the like the code word that would activate the gold pooping. When you just have one that's both, you're just going to be referring to your donkey, and all of a sudden it's going to explode with gold. Inconvenient. There should be a workaround here. All at once he had more gold coins than he needed. However, the innkeeper had observed this, and during the night he got up, untied the golden donkey, and replaced it with his animal. So in the morning, the miller's apprentice left with the wrong donkey, and didn't realize that he had been deceived. When he returned home to his father, he also declared, Enjoy life! I have the donkey Brinklebrit, and you can have as much gold as you wish. It's a great way to enter a room. Just shout, Enjoy life! I mean, this would necessitate some further explanation, because saying, I have the donkey Brinklebrit, and you can have as much gold as you wish, it's not, it's gonna, it's gonna invite further questioning. And also, I'm sure after he said the word Brinklebrit, they heard a donkey, like, freak out and start painfully erupting in gold from outside. Probably sounded quite uncomfortable. So once again, his father invited all their relatives, and a large white cloth was spread out in the middle of the room. Did they learn nothing from last time? Like, test it out first once. And also, they should have known that it wasn't the donkey Bricklebrit. Bricklebrit. Because they didn't, they wouldn't have heard it started erupting gold when he said the name before. That should have been a giveaway. That should have been a giveaway. Come on, guys. Then the donkey was brought from the stable and set onto the cloth. The miller said, Bricklebrit, but it was in vain. Not a single gold coin appeared. Immediately the son realized that he had been duped. He was ashamed of himself and began to practice his trade to support himself. Why aren't they going back to the inn? And being like, you stole my fucking donkey, and I'm taking it back. Because it'd be really easy to catch him out, because you can just go to the stables and say Bricklebrit, and see which donkey starts exploding gold out of his ass and face. I mean, you've lost a magic table and donkey, each of which that would set you up for life. Just fight for that shit. Come on, guys. The third son had gone to a turner, who gave him a sack with a club in it as a gift when the young man was ready to go off on his travels. Why they, they've said this about all of them. They're ready to go off on their travels. They don't go on any travels. They just seem to go home. Whenever he said, Club, come out of the sack, the club would jump out and dance on people's backs and beat them mercilessly. <laughs> so this magical gift is gangster as hell. I mean, sure, a table with delicious food is nice and probably more useful and practical, but this Turner is like, here, now you can beat the shit out of whoever you want. Have fun. Okay, bye. And now, the young Turner had heard that his brothers had lost their treasures at an inn. Therefore, he went to the same inn and said that his brothers had brought with them a little magic table and the donkey Bricklebrit, 
But what he was carrying in his sack was much more precious and worth much more. The innkeeper was curious and thought that all good things come in threes, and wanted to steal this treasure during the night. But the turner had placed the sack under his pillow, and when the innkeeper came and tried to pull it out, the young man said, "'Club, come out of the sack!' All at once, the club jumped out of the sack and danced with the innkeeper, and beat him so mercilessly that he readily promised to return the little magic table and the donkey, Bricklebrit. Once he received them, the youngest son set out for home and brought everything to his father and lived with him and his brothers in happiness and joy. As for the goat, she had run off to a foxhole. And when the fox came home and looked into his cave, he saw a pair of large fiery eyes glaring at him. He became so frightened that he ran away and encountered the bear, who said, Brother Fox, why are you making such a face? Okay, this has taken a weird turn. Why are we following this fox? Also, this goat is just destroying lives and terrorizing everyone it comes into contact with. This goat is cursed. Get rid of this cursed fucking goat, guys. We continue. A gruesome beast is sitting in my cave with terrifying fiery eyes. Well, then I'll drive it out for you, the bear said, and went to the cave. However, when he arrived at the cave and saw the fiery eyes, he too was struck by fear and ran off. Now a bee came flying by and asked, Why are you looking so pale, bear? A gruesome beast is sitting in the fox's cave, and we can't chase it away. Then the bee said, I'm nothing but a tiny creature, and you don't give me the attention that I deserve, but perhaps I can help you. Okay, I'm sensing some passive-aggressive insecurity from this bee right here. So the bee flew into the foxhole and stung the goat on its smooth-shaven head, so that she jumped up screaming, meh, meh, and ran away. And to this day, nobody knows whatever happened to the goat. The end. That's how it ends? I like how whoever came up with this felt like they couldn't end it with the father and sons just being happy. They were like, no, we need to see this goat pay. Fuck this goat. So they do this elaborate foxhole epilogue. And now we know that they added the shaved head bit just so that the goat could get stung by that passive-aggressive bee. <sighs> Alright. I actually love this story. I also like that the father and sons basically have all the tools necessary to start a mafia empire here. They've got money from Bricklebrit, the gold-shitting donkey, fancy meals over which they can intimidate people, and a sentient club to beat people into doing whatever they want. I mean, they need a cooler phrase to get the club out, though. Having to call club come out of the sack just doesn't, doesn't sound very cool. They can do better than that. Give it some flair, some drama, like, like it's club time, or get clubbed, or club you, or meet me at... The club, or it's club o'clock, or I'm going to beat you mercilessly with my sentient club. There are options here, is my point. But my biggest question is what's going on with these magic items? Why are these unbelievable magic items being treated so casually here? I mean, the carpenter, the miller, and the turner just give these gifts away for, sh for finishing job training, essentially. 
And that makes it seem like magic is super common for them. Everyone else values these magical items dearly. Like the innkeeper, everyone is like, oh, wow, this is incredible. But to the carpenter, the miller, and the turner, they're just giving them away. I mean, do they do this for all of their apprentices? Because the way they give the items away implies that they themselves must be fully set for life and have everything they could ever want or need. So how are they getting these magical items? I feel like the real story here is the carpenter, miller, and turner. What are their stories? How are they getting these, this magical stuff? Are they creating these magical items? Because the carpenter has a magical table. Carpenters make tables. The miller has a golden donkey. I mean, millers back then would use donkeys to help grind their grain, probably, and, and work the fields. And the turner has the club. And I guess a club would be a tool that's used by a turner, or could be created by a turner. One of those things that spins pieces of wood around, and you just you just carve whatever you want out of it. So this would imply that they themselves imbued these items with magical properties. I mean, they're basically wizards. And if these were the only magical items they had, they certainly wouldn't give them away to an apprentice. So what the hell is the story with these guys? We need answers for this. And screw these sons and their lying goat and their asshole dad. I want to know about the carpenter and the miller and the turner and their wondrous journeys and connections to magic. What's going on there? Okay, what are the lessons here? I mean, there's not much of an arc or really big lessons here, but to be honest, I don't, I don't mind that. The father does realize that he shouldn't have reacted like he did and chosen to believe a goat over all of his sons. I mean, after the third son did the same thing, you'd think the father would be like, there's something going on here, because all of my sons can't be just liars. But no, he's like, you're all liars, get out of here. It's just me and you now, goat. I'm glad I sent away all my children. I definitely handled that great. So I think the first lesson might be, don't take everything at face value because your goat might be confused or lying to you. Don't take things at face value and understand there might be more going on under the surface, I guess. That's a good lesson. But what's the deeper lesson? That goats are either stupid or liars? I, I don't know. But regardless, don't trust goats. I like how many of these, these stories I'm just taking the lesson, don't trust this particular animal. Don't trust cats. Don't trust goats. To be honest, though, don't trust animals. They don't have any sense of morality. They're just animals. So don't trust them. I mean, be nice to them. You know, but maybe don't. Don't make any big family decisions or throw people out of your house or, or you know, make any life choices based on how a, an animal is, is acting or responding to you. I don't know. Don't trust animals. Also, take care of items that are valuable or important to you. Keep, keep an eye on your shit. If you got a magic table or, or a donkey that shits gold. Yeah, keep an eye on that shit. Those are the lessons here. Now, there is a part two to this, as there sometimes is, or an alternate version. It's much shorter, but let's, let's get into that, see what's going on there. Sometimes these alternate versions are illuminating, or shine a light on something, or have a, a different element to them than the first one. So let's get into it. We begin yet again. A tailor had three sons whom he wanted to send off into the world one after the other, they were supposed to learn an honest living. Since he didn't want them to leave empty-handed, each was to receive a pancake and a penny. Well, that's not super helpful, but it's a nice symbolic 
gesture, I guess, the eldest son set out and encountered a little man who lived in a nutshell. However, he was enormously rich and said to the tailor's son, If you look after my herd on the mountain and will protect it, you'll receive a good gift from me. However, you must beware of the house at the foot of the mountain. There are a lot of merry things going on there. You can always hear music and shouting and dancing. If you enter that house, then you can forget about working for me. The tailor's son agreed, drove the herd up the mountain, looked after it diligently, and always kept far away from the house. However, one time on a Sunday, he heard how much fun people were having inside, and he thought, one time won't hurt. So he went inside, danced, and was delighted. But when he went outside again, it was night, and the entire herd had disappeared. So he went to his master with a heavy heart, and confessed to him what he had done. The man in the nutshell was immensely angry. However, since the young man had served him so diligently... And since he had confessed his mistake openly, he gave him a magic table as a gift. Well, that is super generous right there. This guy literally did the one thing you told him not to do and lost your entire herd. And he still gives him a magic table. I mean, this guy must have really liked the eldest son. It does specify that he's super rich, so maybe it's not a huge deal to him that he lost his entire herd. You can just get some more animals. But you do have to wonder... Why this super rich guy is living in a literal nutshell. He's definitely an, an eccentric millionaire sort of character. The tailor's son was deeply grateful and set out on the way home to his father. Along the way, he stopped at an inn and asked the innkeeper to give him a special room. He told him that he didn't need any food and locked himself in the room. The innkeeper wondered what the strange guest was doing in the room. So he sneaked upstairs and looked through the keyhole. All at once, he saw how the stranger set a small table down in front of him and said, Little table, cover yourself. And as soon as he said that, the best food and drink appeared before him. The innkeeper thought that the little table would be better in his hands. So in the night, when the stranger was fast asleep, he fetched the magic table and replaced it with another that looked the same. Well, I like that in this one, the son is actually smarter about keeping the table secret. Because it seems more realistic that he'd be more protective about not letting people know. And I don't know why the innkeeper was so suspicious of the son for not just going for, for just going to his room and locking the door. I mean, that's what I do in hotels. It's probably what a lot of people do. And granted, this guy has a table, but it was olden times. If you're traveling with a table, then you just gotta keep the table with you. That's what you had to do. And how did the innkeeper switch the tables while the guy was asleep? It'd be really hard to unlock the door, and it's an old-timey lock, so it's probably pretty loud and clanky, and then bring a whole table into the room, take the magic table out, and lock the door again. Moving furniture is loud as hell. His eldest son must be a really heavy sleeper. We continue. In the morning, the tailor's son departed and didn't notice that he had been deceived. When he returned home, he told his father about his good fortune, and the old man was happy and wanted to test the miraculous table right away. But even when his son spoke the words, Little table, cover yourself a few times, it was to no avail. The little table remained empty, and the young man realized that he had been robbed. And this part is also more realistic. In the first one, they don't even test the table 
and immediately invite all of their friends and relatives. If someone shows up with a magic table and says that it can supply itself with abundant, delicious food, your first reaction is going to be, what? That's insane. Show me right now. It's not going to be, cool, invite all of our friends and relatives. Then we'll try it out. No, you want to see that shit. Now the second son received his pancake and a penny and went into the world to do better things. It's a little judgmental about the first guy. He too came upon the man in the nutshell and served him faithfully a long time. But he let himself be led astray. He's not doing better things, he's just doing the same thing. He went into the house, had fun, danced, and lost the herd. So he had to take his leave, but the man gave him a donkey. Whenever he said to the animal, Rattle and shake yourself, spew gold from behind and from the front, gold rained from all sides. Man, that is a very long, rambling mouthful of a phrase right there. Bricklebrit is way catchier. The second son set out for home with a great pleasure, but he stopped at the inn and the innkeeper replaced the donkey with a common one, and when the young man returned home and wanted to make his father rich, it was all over, and his good fortune was ruined. Huh. So in this version, it's the same guy in a nutshell that they're all working for. But it still does seem odd that he gives incredible gifts to people who, objectively speaking, failed at the job he gave them and disobeyed his one and only order. I mean, you'd think the first brother would be like, if you work for a nutshell guy, don't go into that awesome party house. But in reality, it's more like, when you're tired of working for the nutshell guy, just go have an awesome time in that party house and just, you know, as a fun goodbye party and and you're good. The nutshell guy will give you an unfathomably great gift and you can come and you can come back and be set for life. However, you would expect the first brother to be like, don't stay at that inn because the innkeeper is an asshole. Because it does say that the brother realized he'd been robbed. They know this, but no, no words of warning of any kind from the first brother. Finally, the third son was equipped with a pancake and a penny and went into the world, and he promised to do better. He served the man in the nutshell faithfully, and in order to prevent himself from entering the dangerous house, and it doesn't seem that dangerous, it's just like a fun house for people having a good time, he stuffed his ears with cotton, and when the year of service had been completed, he delivered the entire herd to the man, and not one animal was missing. Then the little man said, I must give you a special reward. Here is a satchel. There's a club in it, and as soon as you say, Club, get out of the satchel, it will jump out and cause people a great deal of pain. Okay, well, he did do a better job at the herding of the animals, so clearly they did give him advice in that department. But this gift isn't any more special than the others. And personally, I think the donkey that shits gold is probably the best gift, because you can do anything with that money. You can pay people to be your security guards instead of having a sentient club. Anyway, we continue. The third son set out for home and stopped by the inn and saw the innkeeper who had taken his brother's gifts. He threw his satchel on the table and spoke about his brothers. One of them had a little magic table, and the other a golden donkey. Oh, that's quite good, but it's nothing compared to what I have in this satchel. It's the most valuable thing in the world. The innkeeper became curious and hoped to get this treasure as well. 
When night came, the third son laid himself down in the straw, and he placed the satchel beneath his head. The innkeeper stayed awake and waited until he thought that the third son was fast asleep. Then he went and fetched another satchel, and wanted to pull out the satchel from under the young man's head. So he's literally trying to swap out satchels from under this guy's head as he's asleep? That is super bold. Also, really stupid. He should just stab the guy while he's pretending to be asleep. There's no way he could swap out satchels while this guy is asleep from underneath his head. Seriously, try swapping out someone's pillow while they're sleeping on it. See how that goes. Best case scenario, this guy wakes up and now you're in the middle of a fight. So just get the drop on him and stab him. Or beat the shit out of him and take his stuff straight up. Because the innkeeper knows that the young guy knows he stole his brother's stuff. Because he already said so. So he has no reason to even pretend to be an honest innkeeper at this point. He should already be wary of the youngest son. Just stab him while he's pretending to be asleep and take his satchel. He doesn't even have to know that it would prevent the youngest son from calling out to the club to know that it would be the best course of action here. We continue. However, the third son had stayed awake, and when he noticed the innkeeper's hand, he cried out, Club, get out of the satchel. All at once, the club jumped out and fell upon the innkeeper and beat him so badly that he fell upon his knees and screamed for mercy. However, the third son refused to let the club stop until the thief returned the little table and the golden donkey. Then he set out for home with the three magic gifts to join his brothers. And from then on, they lived with their wealth and in happiness. And the father always said, I didn't provide them with my pancake and my penny for nothing. The end. What the fuck does that mean, Dad? Actually, you know what? That sort of gives us a different lesson here. I mean, taken at face value, it doesn't say much, because a pancake and a penny aren't super helpful or valuable. But I think what it's actually saying is essentially like a parenting lesson, saying that it's valuable to make sure your children actually get valuable life experience and learn how to take care of themselves, and that they'll be stronger and more capable as a result of those life experiences. So it's saying that the pancake and the penny, while on their own weren't much, were what sent those three sons out into the world where they they learned how to make their own way, they had trials and tribulations, they made mistakes, they brought back valuable experience. And I think the table, the donkey, and the club are just metaphors for the capabilities that each son brought back with them. And that doesn't line up perfectly because the story implies that if the third son hadn't gotten the, the table and the donkey back, then they would have been, you know, worse off, been lost forever. But they still had their skills. And it just made the story itself more suspenseful and interesting. I don't think it detracts from the story at all or invalidates the metaphor. I mean, you could even say that each of those capabilities or gifts are insufficient on their own. You need to have all three of them to really thrive, metaphorically speaking. On their own, they're all still pretty great. But I mean, the table signifies, metaphorically, nourishing and caring for yourself and your family. And the donkey signifies the ability to accrue wealth, to expand your circumstances and move up in the world. I mean, the literal donkey that that shits gold... Just make it shit cold all the time, because that donkey's gonna die at a certain point. It's not like a immortal donkey. It's gonna die. You should just have that thing shitting and vomiting gold constantly, round the clock. Put a bit into a bunch of sacks. Just gather that up as fast as possible. Anyway, we're talking metaphorically here. I'm getting all sidetracked. I just really like thinking about this donkey. And the club 
metaphorically signifies the strength to stand up to those who would do you or your family ill. And so you need all three. And there you go. That's the real lesson. It's interesting because I didn't really fully get that from the first story, but that last little weird line about the pancake and the penny made it all fall into place for me. But that just could be my interpretation, or which is what I choose, how do I choose to interpret it? And that's one of the great things about these old folktales. They're open to interpretation, and you can gleam totally different things from them, and that's great. And so those are the lessons that I'm taking. And now, let's adapt this thing. So, all right, this, this episode is running quite long because of the two different versions. Let's make this adaptation nice and quick. So this is the early 1900s Europe. And we've got a father and his three sons, and the father will be played by Dave Chappelle. And I know he's not old enough quite yet, so we can just throw some makeup on him, make it work. The eldest son will be played by Nick Kroll. The middle son will be played by Eric Andre. And the youngest son will be played by Ronnie Cheng. Just all people that I like. Now let's say the father sells pancakes from a street cart. I'm going to lean into this pancake thing. Dave Chappelle, the, ki- the pancake street cart maker. And the father is sworn enemies of a man who sells waffles out of a street cart on the opposite side of the street. And they are bitter rivals. And the waffle maker will be played by Jack Black. And so the sons all help Papa Dave Chappelle with the pancake cart, but he wants his sons to go learn about the world. So he sends them away, each with a stack of pancakes. And the eldest son goes and works for a professional chef. And the chef trains him, and one day the restaurant catches fire, and the son saves his life. So in return, the chef gives him a magic knife that can create food from thin air as he chops it. I feel like the, I feel like the original story didn't have a good enough reason for why the guy gave this son the crazy magical object. So I think saving his life that makes it worth it. So the son is on his way back to his father with the magic knife, and he stays at an inn where the waffle maker is on vacation. And the son asks for a bowl of soup, but the innkeeper says they're all out of garlic, so no more soup today. And the eldest son is like, I can get garlic. And he goes to his room where the waffle maker spies on him and sees him conjure up some garlic with a knife. And so the next day, the son is on the road on his way back home, when the waffle maker Jack Black, he pops up, throws a bunch of waffle batter into the boy's face. It makes him slip on a puddle of more waffle batter, and then he steals the knife, and it runs away. Now the son returns home, and he's like, well, I'm a trained chef now, but I lost a magical knife that was super useful. And his dad, Dave Chappelle, is like, oh, well, it's still great that you're a chef. You know, that's good. We can sell more types of food now. We can get another food cart. So they get another food cart, and they begin selling more food. And they're still better off than they were because, you know, he learned how to cook. So the second son goes off with his stack of pancakes and he works for a guy who raises and sells donkeys. And one day, one of the donkeys nearly kicks his boss in the head. And the second son, he grabs him and he pulls him out of the way just in time. So as a reward, he gives him a magical donkey that every two days will split and become two donkeys. Endless supply of donkeys. And so he goes home, stops at the inn where the innkeeper is like, my donkey died and I can't till my fields without its help. So I'll soon be out of business if I don't get another donkey. And the second son is, is like, well, I've, I've got one donkey, but tomorrow I can have two donkeys and I will give this donkey to you because I'm a nice person. And of course, the shifty waffle maker hears this because he is once again there on vacation. Because he can vacation all the time now, because he's got an endless supply of free ingredients with the knife that he stole. So his profit margins are 
through the roof. So he's vacationing all the time and he's hanging out at the inn. And so he hears this and he's curious about this. And the next day he, he spies on the second son with the donkey in the stables. And he sees the donkey split into two. And so he, he immediately, he doesn't even wait this time. He immediately jumps out, throws Waffle Batter into the son's face, pushes him to the ground. He grabs the magic donkey and he runs away. And he's, he's chuckling, laughing the whole time. And so the second son, he returns, and he doesn't have the magic donkey, but now he knows how to care for and raise donkeys. So he gets a pair of donkeys, and now the pancake cart can go all over town, being pulled by the donkeys. So it's still better. They got two, they got a pancake cart and the just normal food cart with the, the eldest son, and now they've got donkeys. So they can, you know, go all over town, selling their stuff. Now, the third son... He goes off and becomes a professional boxer. And there's, there's no magic involved. He just gets really fucking good at fighting. And he wins a bunch of matches. And he returns home to give his father some money and visit his brothers. And he stops at the inn. And the waffle maker is there yet again. He just loves these vacations. And now he's really cocky. And he just comes up to the youngest son and he's like, So have you got anything magic on you? And the youngest son who of course knows that the waffle maker, Jack Black, did this to his brothers. He's just like, do I have anything magic? Yeah, my fists. And he just beats the hell out of the waffle maker. And he takes the magic donkey, and he takes the magic knife, and then he just he stabs the waffle maker with the magic knife. Because it's still a knife, you know? I mean, just because it can magically conjure food out of thin air doesn't mean it also can't just straight up stab a guy. So boom, stab him, waffle maker's dead. And the youngest son returns with a knife from the donkey, and all is well. And they get a bunch more pancake carts and all types of other food carts using the recipes of the chef's brother. And now they've got all the donkeys to pull the carts. And I guess to also just start selling donkeys, too. Because why not? Got an endless supply of donkeys. And so they've got this old-timey food cart empire. And the youngest son is a famous fighter, so they hold big events for his fights. And his father and brothers do all the food they sell at the fight. And they all thrive together as a happy family. The end. And so that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled The Tablecloth, The Knapsack, The Cannon Hat, and The Horn. Man, old-timey titles really did not care at all about being catchy. They're just all all description. To be honest, I'm more intrigued because of that. I mean, this last one could have just been titled something like A Tale of Three Sons. But it's actually way better to just make the title a list of the crazy shit that's in the story that you're about to, to get involved with. I mean, personally, I'm most interested in finding out what the hell a cannon hat is, what that's all about, what that's going to lead to, and coming back next week to find out. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.